Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is Justin Hamill, your host of Bridge to the Unknown. Welcome to episode one. Really, what I want to talk about is the unknown. Um, what is the no- unknown, right? The unknown, by definition, means not known or unfamiliar. Well, where I am in my life right now seems to be the epitome of that. And a while ago, I started to record some of these episodes and release them. But as I listened to them, I noticed that they were all over the place. And with the... uh... Maybe I should smoke while I do this, but I'm going to do it anyways. So a while ago, I I recorded them and I realized that they were all over the place. So if they are all over the place, that means that I'm all over the place. And really what that means is if what I'm trying to create or what I'm attempting to create and I feel it's all over the place, that is me that's all over the place. I'm lacking focus. I'm lacking being in unison with my mind, body, and spirit. So I took them off and then I started to analyze myself, psychoanalyze myself and what was going on and and things started popping up such as making peace with my family which has been a trending thing for the last I mean all my life really but really being told about this by other people and and making peace with my family and and that came up and surrendering to the void the unknown what am I forcing what am I flowing uh, or like what am I flowing with and that that push and pull that resistance that like that draw like feeling that especially with the creative stuff photography writing whatever the flow is really important and 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 not forcing it you know so and then something really came up with doing this you know and and the self-doubt aspect and this is something that i feel is a very important topic along with the recovery of the lost self you know because we doubt ourselves and i think it's partly you know a lot of what's been going on in our world it's like the the confidence you know you need to have certain things to be confident you need to have these things so these are kind of the energy energies right now in the current parts of my psyche that i've been moving through and facing dealing with sitting feeling these feelings regarding these issues especially that little voice of my father's when i was a kid what are you stupid like that was that was the thing you know and that became my own voice so my father and mother were a huge part of how i became lost i'm not putting blame on them because how can you blame someone uh really when they're doing things subconsciously You know, my parents growing up were all about an image, how they wanted to be seen by the people from the outside. You know, we had a nice car. We went to a private Christian school. We had a nice house. It was the total picket fence, comfortable lifestyle, literally like privileged, most would say. I was forced to look a certain way, to listen to certain music, play sports, act a particular way. Uh, This was what was expected of me. And I really spent my whole entire childhood rebelling against that and seeking the love and attention that I didn't really receive uh, growing up and I feel like that defining moment uh, happened when I was about eight years old this is something that like I had a vision during ayahuasca ceremony and I was about 10 years old driving with my father to a carpentry job and I needed to poop (laughs) 
And so I asked my father, I was like, yo, can dad, can you stop? Like, I got to go to number two. And he was like, no, 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 no. Hold it. Like, I got toilet paper in the truck. We'll be fine. You know, like you, you can go when we get there. And that was just it. I couldn't hold it. So I shat my pants <laughs> and I was forced to sit in my shit at eight, you know, between like eight and 10 years old in a truck. And, you know, this, this, this situation really brought up something, you know, being vulnerable, speaking up. My father was a very, you know, a very intense man. He was a cop growing up. So me standing my truth and speaking up to him was something that wasn't very easy for me. I was a very sensitive kid growing up. My son is extremely sensitive as well. And I've always, you know, like I said, I always had a problem speaking up to him. So I did that, and, and I lacked confidence a lot as a child. Uh, I was always afraid and, and fearful of him. Like I said, he was a very intense man. Uh, and this is where I feel my issue with communication, a.k.a. lying, rejection, manipulation, lack of self-worth, using people to validate me sexually, creatively, and socially largely came from. Now, my father wasn't my real father. He was my stepfather. But he raised me and adopted me since I was the age of about four years old. So I spent my whole my whole life with him, really, and, and that's what was embedded in me. I, I didn't know my real father. I didn't meet him until I was about 19 years old. Um, you know, so I spent my entire teenage years and adolescence seeking outside of myself. It made me hyperactive. It made me uh, want to impress people. It, it, did, it, it brought up all these things as a child that... A lot of times, no one, you know, no one really noticed. They, I was just kind of labeled and judged, hyperactive. I was put on drugs and all of that stuff. So, you know, this goes really deep. But needless to say, that one moment was very defining for me and sent me down a path of seeking deeply outside of myself for the, uh, for the love that my father never gave me. My mother wasn't really there for me either. You know, she has deeply unhealed issues with her father, barely knowing him. He hurt her in so many different ways, physically throwing her down the stairs, breaking her back. She had over 13 or 14 different surgeries on her spine, bone removed from her hip, and put in a back brace during high school. Like, it was really traumatic for her. So she, you know, as as being married and... and growing up she was always in pain you know my mom was wasn't an alcoholic wasn't a pill popper I mean I never saw that aspect of her um, but it, she managed it in different ways and it, and it came out uh, it came out so like my mom was a yeller right so and it made me become a yeller and that you know I'll get to that and I can give prime examples of where that was passed on to what I was going with you know so I was never really able to truly communicate with what was going on with my parents, ever. They would judge me, label me, punish me, and never really ask the golden question, what is causing Justin to feel this way? You know, why is he acting this way? So with no room for communication or acceptance or acknowledgement of who I was or who I could become, I was very lost from a very early age. And I can confidently say that's because my parents didn't know their own true selves. So my anger and resentment uh, of not being able to be heard, listened, accepted, liked, needed by my family, loved, 
that rage and that anger, it like it grew and it grew. It was more of like a frustration, really. Like that grew into rage and anger. So I can remember a story when I was in fifth grade. I brought nine millimeter bullets to school. Like I said, my father was a cop. So I my like he was a hell's angel um, at the time undercover. So I remember like going through his uh, Spalding basketball bag and he had all these files and like pictures of him at the Harley rallies and women with their tops off and like this whole crazy image and like there was one particular um, Polaroid that was him sitting in a grow house of weed and he's like a six foot guy so he's really tall and it was him and just his face around the weed and I, I was just so enthralled by this so cool it was like I just thought it was so cool because this is what my father did you know like wow this is so cool so I was always trying to impress my friends and, and I brought these bullets these nine millimeter bullets that I found in school and I tucked them away and I was found they, they, they found them and I went to a really small school so the small school, like, there was only three kids that had cops as kids, and one was, like, a second-year-old, you know, a second-grade daughter, and she was not it. And then the other guy was not it, and, of course, it was, like, Justin brought him. So I was kind of, like, labeled an out-of-control kid, you know, and I was put on Adderall and, and different medication, and it was just, it, it was it was challenging, you know, and... and as a, as a kid, you know, you're you're doing these things because you're seeking this love from your family, you know, and what really kind of perpetuated my anger and rage, which now that I'm talking about, it's very interesting. My father was a football player and he was supposed to go to Notre Dame like during the 70s with Rudy and that that time frame full boat scholarship and lost it because he got paralyzed from a parasite from the Kangamangas Highway. And, you know, I'm sure that that brought up a lot of anger and frustration for my father because that was something that he really loved. So that was taken from me as a kid, not by something I did. Well, something that I did, but my parents took away soccer. And soccer was the love of my life. Like it was it was everything. And so from the next year, I was playing football in, in the schoolyard and a kid kicked a football and it hit me in the side of the face. And I, I snapped. I went after this kid, and I beat, I, I beat the hell out of him. I went, started soccer kicking him, punched him in the side, like broke a couple ribs, and I, I was, I was really angry. And the rage and hatred was so intense. It grew and grew and grew and manifested over the years from that point of me really just not giving a flying fuck and doing whatever I felt I wanted to do. And in a sense, like they took it as I was ruining my father's image and my mother's image around the school and being in a Christian school and the image that they had. And I was always being arrested. I was drinking. I was smoking as I grew into my teenage years. I was doing coke at a really young age, selling drugs, ironically, right? My father was an undercover drug dealer, was throwing crazy parties, lying, stealing was a huge thing. Like I stole in the self-entitlement. Like I've been facing the self-entitlement a lot lately and just really being a complete mess hardcore or what was said to be like judged upon me as being a mess or like what a mess oh as what a mess would be um you know so 
Recovering my true self has been a deep process for me for the last like five years, really. And it all started um, a five, about five, six years ago. I found myself sitting in a prison cell in an orange jumpsuit, uh, throwing an apple core against a prison cell, wondering how the fuck I got here. And I got there by this. So I was living in Miami and I, and I had created a complete image of myself based on ego and a false created identity from my past, right? So wanting to do things that would bring me acceptance and approval and to be liked by my peers and, and people around me. And I was living in Miami at the time. I thought I was popular, like I said, liked, needed, loved, accepted, and cool. I was an art coordinator with this girl that I was dating. Uh, we created this show called You and I Are Love. We worked with local emerging artists selling tens of thousands of dollars worth of local Miami art, never taking anything for ourselves. It was something that was always given out, like just helping. We want to help. We want to help. We want to do. We want to do. So we thought we were doing stuff, and we were. We were working with local uh, nonprofits. We had a house donated to us so that we could start working with at-risk youth. But I really started to grow angry, and so did my partner. And uh, during that, like, I guess, you know, people on the outside always were like, wow, this is really cool. Like, you probably have a really nice house. People thought that I was like a, uh, what would you say, like a trust fund baby. Not the case. Not the case at all. I was living on her floor in her house. Uh, we were, I was dating her, but she was hiding me from her mother. Uh, just kind of ashamed to be with me. Like her mom wanted her to be with someone wealthy and have money and take care of her. And like her mom always saw as like a meal ticket. She was a child Spanish star, if you will. So uh, the final, the situation that kind of like brought that out, uh, that was like the defining moment of anger and rage of all of what was being built presented itself and after a few altercations like during our relationship at the gallery and stuff like that we had attacked each other literally a couple nights drunk and and not and it just grew really really toxic and one time we were sitting having mac and cheese uh in the in the kitchen and she made this mac and cheese and something that she would make all the time and it, it always tasted really good like it was something that she just loved to make and this one time she made it and it tasted fucking horrible tasted horrible and i called it out and i was like well what, what's up with this mac and cheese something something's off like something's not right she grabbed the plate she's like ah! plates start throwing her and i stand up start yelling at each other i I grab the keys, I walk out of the house, she chases me, she grabs the keys, She slap. I slap him out of her hand, I start walking, and then all of a sudden I snap, like I saw red. I went back to the house, I just started yelling, you did this, and da 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 da, and da da da, and I didn't, da, da. and it just like, the fucking yeller just came out, it was hardcore yelling. So then finally I started throwing her on the bed. I pushed her on the bed. She pushed me back. I pushed her on the bed. She pushed me back. Finally, I, I, like, she poked me in the chest. This was something that my father used to do. Like, what are you, stupid? And he would, like, poke me. And I hated it. So I grabbed her and I threw her up against the wall. And I said, get the fuck off me. And I snapped, too. Like, <gasps> I saw her eyes. And then she's like, ma, llame policia. Ma, llame policia. Police came. 
she she brought like I went outside I tried to leave and the mom grabbed me and was like no you need to stay here and the cops picked me up and I was sent off to prison Um, they didn't bring me to like the regular jail they brought me to prison and I left very angry sad scared confused and just had no idea like who I just was or who I was or like I just I was completely lost and something that comes up with me when I when I think about like being completely lost and really this false identity that was created that was then gone because my community everybody was going to find out about it I was embarrassed like how am I going to like go show myself to these people like I just everything that I uh, everything that I was going through or everything that I had created was just gone and I feel that when the ego or the false self identity is checked from like a long ride of forcing an image the death energy from inside the killing of the false self identity or the dismantling of it is an action externally it, uh, it can manifest externally in extreme cases to suicide so and I've personally experienced this with myself and a, and a very close artist and friend by the name of TMNK he was an artist that started here in New York and he built this image of like a bad boy artist and created this name and identity and he did this for over about like 20 years he created this image and he was working with a filmmaker towards the end of his life and well at that moment he didn't know it was going to be it was the end of his life but this guy found him and found his story to be very fascinating and during getting to know him he asked him and was like what's up with this image like you should remove this image and just paint because that's what you're good at and when he was checked about this image it was not shortly not even a couple weeks after that he took his life and so within my own self and going back and facing some of the things that I've seen and the shame that's around some of the actions that I made I've sat there and thought about taking my own life numerous different times and it it was it's it's hard it's really hard to face some of the things that we've done in our lives and and accept them and then to not beat ourselves down and to go into that dark space and like sit there and and be there and it's one thing to feel it and release it and then allow the love and the light and everything to come through and to like push you and to take that sandbag off of your hot air balloon from your ascension and your rising as your true self you know so it was something that I I I thought about you know and also killing myself and, and that thought as a child I also gracefully escaped death a lot because of the situations and gracefully escaped it during drinking and drugs and all of the stuff that I got in. There was numerous different times where I shouldn't have been alive, you know, and all of this really comes from with TMNK and myself of how I was raised as as a child and what was done to me and what was said to me, extreme or not, you know, like I wasn't molested or raped as a child or abused physically there was just a couple little defining moments that made me who I am today and everything along that path and during that path there's been a lot of lost Justin like just so lost 
And my father, you know, that, what are you, stupid, and this, that. It wasn't something that he was doing maliciously. It was something that was taught to him as a child and his father. And it was beat into his head physically and psychologically and mentally. Um, and this, I feel, is a very large part of my issue as a human being and many others out there. We take our parents' words, actions, traumas, and we make them into our own actions and words, subconsciously creating a false image of who we are. And this plays out until we realize them, face them, and it plays over and over and over again until we face them, realize them, release them, and let them go. You know, I was never enough for my stepfather to love. You know, I was not his. Um... I just I wasn't enough and I wasn't being able I, I wasn't able to be molded into the child or the person that he thought I should become just like his father was doing to him so uh, what was I saying so this is you know create a false image da, 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 da. okay yeah like I'm reading a script as I'm doing this so I'm trying to get this down uh, so, like I said, he was a DEA growing up, and, and his life was controlled by an identity and an image to uphold. And, and he spent his whole life and my whole life upholding that image and, and creating that image and to this very day. Uh, and this was an image placed upon him from when he was younger and his father being a cop and him losing football and then no 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 don't go to school for computers like you need to be a cop it's secure it's comfortable you'll be able to provide for a family all of that you know and like I said my, my stepfather had dreams just like we all do and I feel a lot of our parents they sacrificed these dreams to raise us and to give us a life that we that they thought would be the best for us and a lot of times it works out that it's not the best for us uh, because it's an old paradigm of thinking and it's an old way of our society and everything and everything changes over time so it's not like parents can project or like the project the trajectory of where things are going in our society they don't I mean my parents didn't think like that so you know I daddy issues you know I I have daddy issues you have daddy issues we all have them and it's really not getting, it's about not getting caught in the victimization of our parental issues. You know, why did this happen to me? Why did they do this to me? And then you get hatred and anger towards them and you spend your whole life hatred, being hateful and spiteful and resenting your family because of what they did when we have the ability to be able to change that and to transcend that and to make it into our fire, into our passion into our creative endeavors whatever they may be and be conscious about it and not do it like out of just an expression and not going back and feeling so you know i i feel that it's about overcoming these issues with true understanding that this is the best they can do our parents our society the people that lead this is the best that they can do and that they know so it's like, how can we be angry at someone that is doing the best that they can do? That's it, you know? And so that was a little bit about my father, you know? And, and my mother, that's a whole nother issue. She's my blood. I came from her. She married, let's call him Tom, right? 
because she was looking for security and comfort as she could not get that from what was then to be said my abusive, neglective, Colombian, or actually Bolivian, <laughs> Bolivian father. I was told I was uh, Bolivian my entire life. My mom had no idea my background, where I came from. And I met my father when I was 19 years old for the very first time and found out that I was actually Colombian. Like, like, what the fuck? My whole life is a lie, mom. My whole life is a lie. Like, how could you do this? Like, what, just all Spanish people look alike, I guess, mom? Like, <laughs> what? So she made a choice to give up her life of dreams and passions and photography and ice skating and because of her back issues and what her father did to her, you know, but her mother knew that he wasn't the right person. But in a sense, right or wrong, it led her down a path. So in the sense that everything kind of works out the way that it should. So maybe it was the right thing. But my Nana in that time was like, no, Steve isn't the right one and begged her not to marry uh i fucked up steve <laughs> not tom I, i've been trying to get in that habit of not using names of people but sometimes they just come out so i'll get better at it i promise um so 29 years later my mom is still married to tom steve whatever uh and it's a daily battle for her dealing with this ego and narcissistic mentality this like zeus like my way the highway ego 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 and uh it, it really makes me think about the mother father figure of society and like even before i came in like everything that they were going through it was like i was destined to go through this issue of dismantling these false images that were placed upon me as a child and were created since i was a child so and it like it brings me like what comes up and in, in when I was writing this is the the Zeus and Hera archetype, right? So Zeus, the disciplinarian, the hunter gatherer, uh, you know, the like the disciplinarian, the ruler of the house, my way, the highway, the full embodiment of Zeus. And I feel like that was the archetype that was placed on our society like we kind of like defined ourselves by this way and then you have my mother who kind of embodied that goddess of the goddess of family and and marriage and that's Hera and so you know I feel my parents embodied these archetypes and it was like the perfect recipe for losing themselves and having no idea about themselves and you know you spend time with someone long enough whether you're a child married it's like you become them you become that because it's energy like you start to take on their stuff and you do it all subconsciously you don't even know that you're doing it consciously so i'm here today working through these issues and have worked through these issues now i'm on the outside of this so i'm sharing what i've been processing because personally I, I think it's fucked up when people can talk about this and they don't talk about their experiences and give context so that people can really understand what someone goes through and just like someone commented on this like it's making someone think about their entire life and it gives them a perspective because all of this is a choice how you choose to live how you choose to view what you've gone through so all of this has led me to recovering the lost self and has put me in a place to create a podcast called Bridge to the Unknown. And it's something I created with my partner, 
Uh, she's off building her company, so I'm kind of the host. I see her as like the executive producer, someone that helped create this, the co-creator. And she'll be on the show eventually. She's amazing. Cersei, I love you. I know you're out there doing your thing and processing and going through your work. So this all brings me to August. And for those of you out there in the Twitter world, which I've been following and like we've all been feeling August as like as if it was December and the end of the year and like we're about to move into this new world. Uh, And so with the eclipse and everything that was going on in August, it's been very intense for myself. And I know for many of you out there, it's been very intense. And I like to look at it as what I've been going through and, and the issues and the trials, I didn't, it, <laughs> it wasn't easy to come to have this perspective. I had to come through it to be able to see it, but it was a deep cleansing of some of these energies that I was using to create a false self. So I've been spending my entire life creating an identity that wasn't true to who I am. Now I'm at this point where I've done all of this stuff about creating an image that like the next place that I'm moving into is my true self. And that is here and now. That is what I'm doing now, recording this podcast, talking to you. This is, I'm, I'm moving into my true self and this is where my heart is. And so I, I want to talk about, like I said, August. And I had moved to New York about four years ago and I had bought a camera. It was a Canon. It was kind of like, I guess, a piece of shit. It wasn't really a piece of shit, but... It wasn't enough, and so I went and bought a Sony A7, uh, A7 II or something like that. That wasn't enough. So then I bought another camera, an A7R II. Spent about $4,000 with all the equipment, everything. You know, I I needed more, and, and I needed a cooler camera. Maybe some people will respect me more because I have a better camera, and it'll make me a better photographer, and all of this stuff. And, and I can think about the numerous times when I would go and want to shoot and this that and the other that how I forced it it was really something that was forced and I wasn't flowing and like I was saying I feel in in finding my true conscious creator that really feeling the flow and the forcing is something to be mindful of so I recently went to one of my favorite spots, the Far Rockaway Beach around 67. It's super pretty, and if you're from New York or wherever, that it's a really beautiful place when it's desolate and no one's out there. I was feeling heavy motions of uncertainty, resistance to surrendering to this process and the unknown and having no idea what's going to go on and, and releasing that control and that, that desire to have control uh, and making peace with my father and my mother feeling emotions uh, emotions of being uh, unlovable, unlikable, not enough for my father. It was just really heavy. There was so much anger and hatred around my parents and I really wanted to like give it all away. Like I don't want to carry this hatred that I have for my family anymore. So I went to the ocean and it's been a place for me all the time of sitting giving away doing water prayers and meditations at the ocean and it's just something like i posted on twitter the other day like the morning sunrises like it's been a very special place for me the last five years and my whole life you know i always grew up around the ocean my mother loves the ocean she wants to have a beach house one day and i hope that i can provide that for her at some point but i brought my camera with me um and i you know wanted to see if I could try to connect my emotions with it but I wasn't really feeling creative and I forced myself to kind of get present with it 
So I started filming the waves crashing with my gimbal and like the shells falling down and the waves and the people. And I still haven't looked at the footage, uh, you know, because it hurt. But I turned my back to the ocean for just a second, literally just a second. And the waves crashed up against my feet splashing in between my legs and destroying my camera splashing my camera and I lost what I was using to create an identity something that I do love I, I don't get me wrong I love the camera and it's something that will always be part of me and I will make a movie one day with a camera and I will do this stuff with a camera but I lost it and you know it <laughs> This camera was how I was expressing myself. One of the ways I was seeing and sharing the world, like how I wanted to share the world that I was seeing and and this stuff, you know, and I took it, really I took it as in that moment, like there was this release almost, you know, and this has happened to me a couple times, uh, this feelings of, of release, right? Like I, I was working a, a nice corporate job here in Times Square I got $50,000 a year, full benefits, uh, paid vacation for 20 days. I was able to get a surgery, like a big uh, benign tumor taken off my back. I was able to go to Ecuador and do an ayahuasca uh, month, you know, retreat. Not a retreat, but like kind of like a traveling journey throughout Ecuador, sitting with a couple different medicine men and because of this job. But I was fired from it and not to like go f too far off. I was fired from this job and when I was sitting in the office, I remember like laughing with them like, you know, I'm, I'm not supposed to be here and they all knew this, right? Like they knew that I wasn't supposed to be there. The weight was lifted off my shoulder and sure enough, the after effect of that feeling the job being taken from you, the security and comfort, it was really hard. Like I went into a really heavy, heavy, heavy depression, wanted to take my life because I never thought that I would make it without the security and comfort of a job. Uh, and that that similar feeling of when I lost my camera, right? Like in that split moment, it's like, oh, okay. So I started, you know, I took it as a big sign from the universe after processing this is something I really need to look at is how I'm creating myself and my image. Is it really, 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 truly to who I am? And, you know, after this incident, I had talked to a friend and he asked me, you know, like, why can't it just be an accident? And I was like, listen, because everything leading up to losing it, the work around my family, my, my living situation, forcing, flowing, the conversations of giving my power away and being triggered by others, this was no accident. Like, these things are coming away and, and they're being stripped away. And it's just, it's not an accident. So, uh... And I, and I, number one, I don't believe in coincidences, like the Latin root word or the Latin, like the, the, what it means in Latin and in French, from what I understand, is to fall upon together, you know, like that which fits perfectly together. There's no such thing as coincidences. So after this incident happened, I immediately felt the release, like I said, and, uh, and it, it brought me to this place of like, why is this happening to me? What is going on? Why would this... I started like sitting with this and really like uh, processing it and something that came up was the book of Job and I was listening to Russell Brand who's somebody I've been really admiring and his process of how he's like 
kind of restructuring the 12-step program in a way that's like really palpable for people that may not even think they have an addiction, but you read it and you realize just how addicted we are to our false self, to our ego. Like, that's what I'm getting from it. And the ego, like the false self, that's an addiction, dude. Like, we need to be liked and accepted by others. And then sometimes it manifests into extreme cases such as doing heroin or doing cocaine or becoming an addict in, in, in the physical sense, in the, in, the, in the actual, like the addiction from the inside is then manifested externally. So I started looking at like the book of Job and Carl Jung on Job and it comes to like the biblical story of like devil and God had a conversation and the devil bet that Job would turn his back on God through all the suffering that God was going to put him through and Job never turned his back on God. The only thing he did is he denounced his birth. And this is fascinating because so many of us go through this and we're defaulted. We're programmed to go into a default state of victimization, right? So we're constantly like, why is this happening to me? God, why are you doing this? And then we try and pray and like fix it and at like it's it's all fucked up. It's really a fucked up process that we go through. And the Bible talks about it. I mean, I'm not super religious. I'm spiritual and I'm in touch with myself, but these things come up and it's really beautiful. So within three days after processing my camera and going through that, I was having a conversation with a close friend uh, about the dynamics of our relationship, right? Like I met with him and I wanted to talk to him about the dynamics of our relationship over the past couple years. This guy was a really serious trigger for me and my father's issues. It was as if my higher self placed him and called him into my life to help me get through these issues of making peace with my family, working through and forgiving and understanding my father. Um, And this guy, like I I placed him on a pedestal. and, And as I was talking to him, he said, you know, a lot of people do this with him. And he has this, he's very knowledgeable. He's very in touch with his inner being and inner being about like connected with the cosmos you know and when you meet people like that it can be very empowering and you're like oh teach me more and da 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 and I was giving my power away my authority to him and I saw him as a father figure in my life some way like it manifested this way and you know I I was giving my power away because I was constantly seeking approval from him, sharing ideas that would validate my ego, creative ideas, just talking bullshit with him that wasn't true to myself. So I called him to to have this conversation with him and I was very fearful of this man and because at one time he told me that I was to lose two very close people to my life in the last conversation that we had before we didn't talk for a year. And he told me I would lose my Nana and TMNK, who I recently reached out, like who I recently talked about. And during that conversation, he he was very intense. He was talking all this spiritual stuff. And I was like, you know what? Like, prove it, dude. Like, I felt like it was bullshit, which was really just a projection of my own state. So, uh... At that moment, I told him to prove it. He got up and he was like, enemies challenge one another. And he was like, that's it. We're done. And he walked off. And a year passed. And that brings me to the moment of wanting to talk about our relationship and the dynamic and the things that I had understood that I was doing with this man. So 
I took responsibility for what I was doing and how I was triggered by him and I was projecting my father issues onto him and our whole dynamic changed in that moment. I felt it. I felt like we were really friends and that it was just this complete like, oh, you know, and it, 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 it was like he started, you know, and in that conversation, we continued talking and like, we started sharing things about different perspectives, about the process of enlightenment and the double bind, and most importantly, the forgiveness and acceptance and making peace with my family. Something he had told me and talked to me about my entire time being friends with him. So before I went home, right, and, I, and I'm just, I'm wrapping this up right now. I know this is 45 minutes and, and I got to release this and, and it'll get better in the time. I'm, I'm judging myself in the moment because I don't want it to be too long. And I, I hope I can be captivating at some level to at least one person. And, and I think I have. Um, so before I went home, like we were talking about the Buddha and how, you know, the Buddha gave up everything in the process of enlightenment. He gave up all this fame and everything, right? Like he gave all of this away um, to find his true self. And this friend of mine, he said, you know, in order to gain everything, one must lose everything. And think about it. Think about losing everything in your life. And then you have the possibility of becoming and gaining everything if you don't fall into the victim state and denounce God, which God could be the divinity, however you want to see it, the divine force. So momentarily after we were talking, like right before it left, I got a text message from my roommate and my ro or my landlord who didn't live there, uh, but he was in town and he was like, bro, we got to talk. I was like, okay, uh, we all know when we get the we gotta talk, it's never good. No matter what circumstance, it's never, ever, ever good. So I said my goodbyes to my friend, gave him a hug, and told me I needed to go to Vipassana, which I'm going to on the 13th or the 19th through the 30th of this month. So I said my goodbyes and I headed home, which was right down the street, literally a block. Like I met this man a block from my house at a coffee shop. Crazy. So I walk home and I, I walk in and I went to see my landlord and he's cleaning out my studio. Uh, he's like, you got to be out the next day. He's like, you got to be out tomorrow. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, you can't do this, dude. Like you can't just kick someone out of a house in New York City that's been here for four years and just tell them they got to be out the next day. So... I had fucking like almost attacked him and I just because like something that I had created my structure my security my comfort my home was being taken from me and it's like why is this being taken from me like who the who are you to do this you can't do this started attacking finally I caught myself and I was like oh, okay Justin like this is meant to happen I even went back to him I was like thank you you know thank you for doing this this is helpful i know this is what needs to happen so he then told me you know he's like no one won't even wants you in the apartment anymore and i was just kind of like like i said I, I lost my cool and i was just like wow this is happening you know so okay we gotta we have a choice on how we view this we have a choice i we me have a choice in how i see this and you know I asked him for a couple days and I reached out to the friend that I'm staying at her place now. Thank God, Courtney, I love you. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Um, I reached out to her and, you know, she allowed me, she said that I could stay at her place, but I still wanted to hold on to the place that I had. 
So during the time that I stayed the last few days at my place, I went into like contemplation, AKA meditation. And I realized why my landlord was so upset. He told me before I moved in to never touch anything in his place. And he was an artist and he had a studio full of amazing, cool stuff, books, stickers, paint, all sorts of stuff. And I was constantly taking that stuff and I didn't ask for it. I would just go in, I would grab like a cool jacket and wear it. And I'd be lying if I said that I was going to give it back, honestly. Like if I would have left and moved out before he'd gotten there, I would have taken those things. But I noticed that some of the things that I had that weren't mine, that were his, he came into my room and found them and took them. And so he, not being a communicator like I am, just got pissed off and fucking told me I needed to leave. And it's funny because I think about a story when I first met him because he was a friend of mine in Miami. He told me about another friend of his who was wearing a shirt and how wearing a shirt of his after he was at his house and he kind of like stole the shirt, just kind of grabbing it, you know, and like wearing the shirt. And that guy got super pissed off. And I even remember that conversation when I was in like meditation thinking about this, you know. And uh, so I just started grabbing all this stuff and I realized that holy shit like my being a kid and going back into how much I used to steal and and like the fucked up shit I used to do with no regard for anyone else and no one else's space had manifested into me losing my house like I caused that like I caused it by my actions subconsciously like I was consciously taking these things but like I didn't think of the repercussions. I didn't think that he would come home and find these things and just show up and get pissed off and kick me out of my fucking house. And then I realized, oh my God, I've been like using my roommate's foods and she's been using my foods and like she was pissed off and I was pissed off. And it was like this whole thing of lack of communication of just grabbing and stealing things that weren't mine. So a few days before I had to pack up, right? I was on my way and I'd kind of faced this and accepted that I needed to do this. I wrote my father a letter about how I was treated as a kid and how I felt. And this was the third draft. The first two were very angry and something about the third one just flowed because that friend of mine in that conversation said something to me. And he said to me, your father and mother, this is the best they can do. And it sunk in. I was just like, whoa, you know, like this... Like, how can I expect them to change? I can have imagination of wanting to bring my parents to ayahuasca ceremony and to share this path of healing with them and not be closed off to it. Um, But in this moment, this is the best that they can do. And so I contemplated this for a few days and the letter came. Texting my father the letter that I wrote, my mom was like, this is beautiful. You need to send it to him. So he texted me back. He's like, let's talk tomorrow. So we did. I was on my way home from walking, uh, from working, and I was talking, and you know, I was, I was really, I could feel myself not wanting to talk to my father and and wanting to distract that, but I did, and and I was really fearful of, of him, you know, and and scared, and I remember being like shaking and like nervous and and not wanting to be reactive and like breathing in that because I feel like with that anger and hatred we can be so reactive and want to like lash out so you know 
I, I was talking to my father and, and he didn't really take any responsibility for anything like, you know, no apology, nothing. But he listened and he said that, you know, he said something to me and he was like, you know, it was beat into me and my father. My, it was beat into me and my father and my father's father that when you have a family, you need to provide for them and you need to give them this life. And it was beat into him. And I, I started crying people like I started like bawling because I was I had this thought like wow I felt so bad because he had something beat into him physically and mentally no one deserves to have anything beat and into them no one we don't deserve this and this is what our world does I was like how you know it's just It's just, it made me feel so bad for him. It really did. And how could I be angry and hate him so much when it was something that was taught and forced upon him? I can't, knowing the work of my own process. And so we ended the conversation agreeing that we need to talk more and that the door is always open for me to go home and have this conversation. And I'll take that offer when the time's right. And in this moment, in this very moment, I don't feel anger and hatred towards my father anymore. You know, I'm sleeping at my friend's house. I have no idea what's going to happen, where I'll be, but I feel that I feel that this was a huge clearing for something of me and it's left me in the unknown. No idea dealing with these issues of survival and what am I going to do being a freelancer, knowing that I have to work for myself. How you know, what am I going to do? You know, the how, oh, how, 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 bringing it down from the how into what can I do? Something as simple as putting a video on Twitter and creating my podcast and writing it and then creating a next episode for next week on self-doubt and something about that, uh, you know, and, and healing or really kind of, I guess the next thing is like healing what I've been going through in the process of healing. That will be the next episode. And Uh, That's been quite interesting because there's been a lot of psychedelics work in that and ayahuasca, LSD, mushrooms, DMT, psychotherapy of five years. Uh, There's been a lot that's pushed me through the path of healing to where I can be confident in myself to do this now. So, yeah. So in closing of my first episode, so we're about to hit an hour. Not bad. Not not bad. I'm 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 happy with that. Like. It'll get better. Uh, So I want to talk about what I want this to become and what we would like this to become. And Cersei and I, my partner, you know, and I want to take the journey that I have been on along with others and kind of expose it in a sense of exposing our vulnerability, being able to share our stories and create a space that people can share their stories that will be inspiring to other people and hear the experiences of what people are going through. And, you know, I feel people around our age and younger and and older, we're going through this process. And I feel that it's needed to be able to have these conversations, male, women, white, black, Asian, Spanish, whatever. We're all going through immense amount of trauma and it leads us to this place of the unknown. And I feel like this podcast can be a bridge to that so that we don't get caught in the the self-loathing, the shame, the guilt, the anger, the darkness, because for myself, I'm very hard on myself. So when I see these darkness, I can tend to stay there. 
and not allow the light and love to come through. Um, I was sitting with a friend last night and really had that moment of clarity that like I tend to go back and want to like the darkness, you know, like we got to face this. And really it's like, okay, like, yes, you see it, feel it, release it, allow the light to come through. You don't have to stay there. I don't have to stay there. And this is like a message to myself because this is something that just happened last night. So I want to discuss the topics all along the journey of recovering our lost selves, including addiction, self-doubt, suicide, abuse, overcoming the low frequency energies of our society, feeling the disgust and hatred of who our people have become, our leaders creating a space to be able to understand and accept what's going on and not in a passive way but knowing that the only way to change this system is by not feeding it not going on facebook and feeding the system that engulfs movements and absorbs movements like occupy wall street the thing in egypt like all of these things like it, it absorbs it now so we have to send people that have gone through this work we it's our work it's our job to 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 tell it's it's our job to share you know but we have to go through it to share it's so easy to read a book and to read a podcast and everything and then just to share that information but really we need to incarnate it and it's scary and it like i said it leads you to the unknown so you know i that those are just kind of some of the things that i want to talk about along with healing like what have people been doing to heal this and to face it whether it's ayahuasca, whether it's San Pedro, peyote, jape, plant-based medicines, mushrooms, LSD, DMT, molly, ecstasy, all of these things that are helping people. So, and, and it is an easy task to take on, to take on this healing, you know. Um, facing yourself truly and honestly is, is, is hard, but we can do it with love and compassion and humor at the same time we can add these elements to it and create a beautiful dish you know a beautiful dish of food and love and nourishment so i want to give the world a place that can create a bridge for the unknown so people aren't afraid of their truest power you know this journey is not that serious but we often and myself included make it way harder than it needs to be pressures by our family and society are really taking a heavy toll on people in our world they're wanting to commit suicide and then the rates are up and white male suicide is up you know no one wants to talk about the issues of the white male and what we're going through and all of this stuff and not to discredit what african americans have gone through we've all gone through our traumas and we need to stop separating this and creating hatred and and all of this and and you see what's going on in our politics you see the truth like you it's right in front of us so literally being in the void right now as we speak uh as as i'm creating this everything i can imagine shy of like <laughs> like you know <laughs> literally being in the void as we speak right now i can imagine shy of a masturbation marathon to distract myself from wanting to finish this right like i've done everything to try and distract myself from not doing this and that means that i need to do this i must do this you know uh and you know and what i want to say in closing is what we're striving to make happen with this podcast like i said is a is a place to tell stories and to laugh about it 
and one's truth and redemption, trauma, with love, creating a sacred space for people to come together, open up and share what they have gone through. So maybe someone else out there can hear it and be impacted, you know, and, and can connect with us, you know, like hit me up on Twitter, hit me up on my email, bridge to the unknown with a two at gmail.com. I'm also on uh, Instagram, but I'm I don't know if I'm going to go on Instagram and Facebook. Facebook is done. Instagram, I deleted my personal account, all of it. Like, I, I'm done feeding that beast. There's something about Twitter that I like, and I'm going to trust that feeling. Um, never know who watches it, what goes on, et cetera, et cetera. So the goal is to share the stories of fellow friends, artists, colleagues, people further down the road that have experience in healing modalities and practitioners, uh, and nowadays, people are really enjoying listening to the podcast. A friend of mine said something, you know, like instead of going to AA or these meeting places where it can be kind of hard, people can sit afar and listen to stories and things that can impact them about their addictions, such as like what Russell Brand's doing. You know, like this man is is dropping so much knowledge and bringing so many beautiful people. I want to take it kind of like a step, not below, but bring it to the person to person level you know so that what these people are saying on the higher level we can kind of have the conversations on how we integrate this knowledge that he's bringing and apply it to our life so that we can embrace the void and forgive and learn to forgive ourselves because the only reason the matrix exists outside is because it exists inside so we have to dismantle that inside and then our society will follow. And I feel that is the movement. It's the movement of self. It's the radicalization of being honest with yourself. And really, that's it, guys. The first episode, an hour long. I thank you all so much for listening. Uh, the one guy that was on Twitter here today, like it impacted him, and I know it did. And homie, I'm here for you. If you ever need to talk, communicate, I'm here. I'm here to listen um, and be present with you. So next week we'll be talking about the healing aspect and what I've been doing to go through this healing and some situations that I've experienced healing through visions and all sorts of different stuff. So much love and I love you, man. Take care. Uh, at what is it? Nevatology, right? Is that how you say it? Nevatology. All right, homie, I love you too, and stay strong, and if you need anything, just hit me up, and anyone else out there, peace.